Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Holy Spirit, I thank you for our Savior's Church. Seems like just yesterday, Lord, I was sitting with Jacob and Michelle talking about this church being birthed. It seems like just yesterday that there were a couple hundred orange chairs out in Broussard. Lord, you've just done great and mighty things here. And Lord, it's no exaggeration. Thousands of people have been saved through this church. Thousands, Lord, that's just, it's just a fact. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for all that. The greatest days of this church are ahead. Wake us up this morning to where we are. Our fellow citizens are exhausted from sorrow, fear, pain, like just wondering when the next terrible thing will happen to the world. Lord, give us insight to where you are and what you're saying, amen. I'm gonna entitle this message, and I will be prophetic this morning, I'm going to title this message, Wake Up Call, What Did You Think It Would Take to Change Our Nation? I want to start by sharing a story that happened with me in the Atlanta airport. I'm a Delta flyer, and if you're a Delta flyer that has flown millions of miles like I have, Delta's like your second home. And it was back when COVID was ravaging the country, and there was a small kind of break in between waves and the airport was just filled with people. I was in the men's bathroom, reaching, the story starts in the men's bathroom, I was reaching for a paper towel and a giant paw reached for the same towel. I say paw because it's one of the biggest hands I've ever seen and like Pastor Jacob, we've, we've been in our share of NFL locker rooms and sports. It was an African American hand and, and all of a sudden, wisdom came on me and I thought, I didn't even look up, I said, that's your towel, brother. Your hand is bigger than mine, you might just take my whole hand. He said, no, that's your towel, brother. And I looked up in the face, he must have been 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, of this beaming giant. And he was just cut, just like a monster. Imagine me just a little taller. Just kidding, anyway, okay. So, we walked out into the Atlanta concourse and we immediately knew, okay, there's a like spirit here. And the next thing I know, he looked down at me and pointed his finger. Stop acting surprised. I knew I was being spoken to by God. Stop acting shocked. You know what God told you. You know what God told you. You know what it would take to bring this nation and this world to the place of revival. Don't be afraid. Don't be shocked by what you're seeing. Oh, give me a break. You knew this would happen, didn't you? Revival is coming. Goodbye. As much as a six foot six giant can slip off in the Atlanta airport, he slipped off. Was he prophetic? For sure. Was one of those times God speaks through an angel? Highly possible. The Bible says we entertain angels unaware. Let me just stop like, 
Beloved, like what did you think it would take? In the middle of this pain, and I work in nations around the world. Leaders at all levels. One vice president called me some months ago from another country. Weeping, crying. What do we do? Our people are dying. The world being shaken. I was preaching in a great church in Austin. As I got up, I heard one lady say, are we going from worldwide pandemic to worldwide war? Like, where is God in a world being shaken? Our own country more polarized than any time in my lifetime. And I lived in the 60s. You've honestly got to go back to the 1840s and 50s to see an America this polarized. Oh, and I travel the country. Had the privilege of sitting with many leaders in America. Like, where is God? Like, what is happening? Many months ago, I was preaching in a great church led by one of Jake and I's friends. He's African-American really one of the most influential men in the NFL. In his church, I'm there with his leaders. He, he said specifically, please change your tickets. Come early to be with my leaders. I'm sitting in the room and all of a sudden, a vision, typically a vision, just God uses the screen of your imagination to show you something you couldn't see. I saw our planet and quite honestly, it looked like a two-year-old had thrown it to the ground. It was fractured, broken, fissured. That's a geological term which, which talks about deep cracks that go across the earth. I said, Lord, I said, he said, what do you see, Jim? I said, well, Lord, I see a fractured, fissured planet. He said, you're seeing wrong. I said, like, what do you mean? He said, son, those aren't fractures. Those aren't fissures. Those are furrows. I'm plowing the world for revival. Don't be afraid. I said, well, Lord, when are you going to pour your spirit out? What is revival? Well, Pastor Jacob and I and Michelle and a few others here, we've lived through one. Jacob tells a story. When the Jesus movement swept through America, a thousand kids were saved in his college campus in one day. High school, pardon me. In my high school campus, hundreds of us would just worship when the spirit of God came through. Thousands being baptized up and down the coast of California. When revival comes, God steps down in heaven in evangelistic power. Hundreds of thousands, millions saved, the country touched. And in every century of American history, we've been blessed by revival. Before the Revolutionary War, great revival. When the campuses were dying, believe it or not, with, with atheism, Yale was shaken, the student body shaken. Before the Civil War, Spirit of God poured out Hundreds and thousands saved. Thousands gathering in Kentucky. They would hear cannon shots from heaven. Thousands falling on the ground crying out for salvation. This historical fact. Right before the Civil War in New York City, Jeremiah Lamphere began to pray and a prayer chain of business leaders gripped the nation as the Spirit of God was poured out before the Civil War. By the end of the Civil War, as the South was shattered, yes, they'd fought for the wrong cause, slavery, but God poured out his spirit on them. Thousands saved. Thousands and thousands. Oh, 1900s? The greatest revivals since Pentecost or the Reformation. 
shook America. We had four great revivals in North America, three of which came out of California. My generation shattered, broken. Thousands, hundreds and thousands saved. God's preparing the world for that again. And here is my deep concern this morning before I'm prophetic. What is our peril? Our peril is that if we're not careful, we may sleep through this. You say, is that possible? Oh, yes, it is. Proverbs 10, 5 says, he who gathers in summer is a prudent child, but he or she who sleeps in harvest is a child who brings shame. How could you like sleep in the harvest? How could you come to this point in human history and make no mistake about it? Yes, I believe in voting. Yes, I vote my conscience. Yes, the Bible, not the culture, guides my conscience. Do you care what the culture is doing? No, I care what the Bible says. I care about my culture. I love my country. But the word, not my emotions, are my guide. The word. I believe in voting, but let me tell you, whether you're Republican, Democrat, confused, mixed up, want to quit, independent, ultra-dependent, wherever you find yourself, your political affiliation is not the answer. It may be a better answer than another, but it's not the answer. My hope is not in the White House, not in the Congress, not in the Supreme Court. It is in the church that the almighty God might touch you. Why? Because, hear me now. Stop looking for answers where you won't find them. Never forget my earlier age, my first foray into the White House. I was young and God had showed me what was coming in the country. Very young and I sent the word. It got to the president's wife. She wrote me back thanking me. And then her best friend called me. Her best friend and she and her husband were the second most influential couple in America for that matter of the world. You would know their names. She was a spirit-filled woman. I might add she was a spirit-filled woman, a gifted woman. She prayed in tongues. She believed in prophecy. She was much older than me. She said, I heard your word. It's the word from God. And she said, let me tell you now, my husband and the president are baby Christians they're scared to death and they don't know what to do. We prayed 45 minutes for her husband and the president. And I learned then that the people leading us, they're just as scared as we are. In fact, they're more scared because they got the knowledge. The only people in the world that will turn this nation is the church. You say, that's not fair. Oh, it's just true. Because the root of America's problems are not ideological. They're not philosophical. They're not political. They're not even moral. They're spiritual. Because there's a very real enemy, the Bible says, who lives in the invisible realm, blinding the eyes of those that don't know Christ. You say, why does war come? Well, read the book of Revelation. It says demonic spirits lie to world rulers and draw them into war. What does it have to do with you? Because you're the only ones that have the spiritual ability to fight that. The Bible says you're not resting against flesh and blood. You say, that sounds crazy. No, that's real. God told a 16-year-old in, in Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, listen, I put my words in your mouth. I know you're a teenager from a family who was kicked out of the priesthood. But let me tell you right now, boy, my word is in your mouth. 
I've put you over nations, kingdoms, regions. You have power to pull things down, to plant things. That same word is in your mouth. You say, well, Pastor Jim, how could I sleep through revival? Like, what would it be, Jim, that I would just fall asleep? Shortly before his death in Luke 21, 34 through 36, Jesus tells the disciples the parable. They're probably thinking, well, it's a long time away. Unfortunately for them, it was days away. He said, watch out. Let me tell you now. Watch out. Let your heart get weighed down. Many hearts in this room are weighed down. Not with sin, with worry, anxiety, fear, sorrow. Let your hearts not be weighed down with dissipation, living for yourself. Drunkenness, that's obvious. Or the cares of this life. Worry, money, fear, danger, what's going to happen? Because if you get, this day will suddenly come upon you like a trap. If your heart gets weighed down, you'll miss it. For it will come upon all who dwell in the face of the whole earth. Now this speaks to the last coming of Christ, his final coming, the second coming, and that was 2,000 years ago, roughly. Why does he say this? Because it's staying awake for his coming that helps you not to miss his many comings in revival. Then he says, stay awake at all times. Why would he say stay awake at all times praying? Like, why would he say this? Why would he say, stay awake, I beg you. Stay spiritually in tune with me. Stay alert. Stay in prayer. Why would he say this? That you might have the strength to escape all these things when they take place. Disciples think, well, you know, that's a great word. Maybe one day that'll be appropriate. You know, what a great teaching. Like you hear Pastor Jacob, oh, that's a great sermon. Maybe one day I'll need that. May I tell you, God doesn't give your pastor any sermons that you don't need right away. They were days away from falling asleep in the most important moment of their life. He took them into Gethsemane. It was dark. They were under pain. They just heard they, might, they were going to betray him. They just heard he was going to die. They were shattered. May I tell you, it's always darkest before the dawn. It's why the Bible talks about the midnight hour where the new day is coming. It's just too dark to see it. They march into Gethsemane and Jesus says, hey, I'm pretty heavy right now. I feel like I'm going to die. Peter, James, and John, I need you. They'd been on the Mount of Transfiguration. They'd fallen asleep there. When you fall asleep in the teaching, you'll fall asleep in the test. On the Mount of Transfiguration, they fell asleep, and while they were sleeping, Moses and Elijah were ministering to Jesus. They woke up in the end, but they missed the story. Why were they there? Because God said, your time to stand with my son in real time is coming. Pray with me. Watch and pray. You just got to pray this night. I tell you now, if you don't pray, you'll fall into temptation. If you don't stay awake, he's sweating blood. Blood is dripping off him. An angel comes to strengthen him. And he comes back in Luke twenty two forty five. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. How, do, how are you sleeping when he's weeping? How, 
could they be sleeping after the Mount of Transfiguration? How could they be sleeping when Jesus has just begged them to stand with him? Here's why. He found them sleeping for sorrow. In the original language, it says this. They were sleeping because they were exhausted from grief, pain, and sorrow. Exhausted by stress. Exhausted by constant fear. Exhausted by terribleness. What's next, pandemic? Worldwide recession? Oh, what's next, Jim? I'll tell you what's next. God answering every prayer you've ever uttered and shaking this nation with power. The question is, not will God move, will you be awake to participate? What has happened? What has brought us to this moment? Is God like been surprised? No. Let me share a few prophetic things with you then go down deeper in this message. For me, it started in December 31st, 2018. It was, it was the end of 2018. I go to a great multi-site, multi-ethnic church in Nashville. Our senior pastor is African-American. I'm on the board, an elder there. They always want me to preach on New Year's. I was to give the Happy New Year's service and the service that would be known as the Unhappy New Year's service soon. I was in the front row where Michelle and Jacob are. Five minutes away from preaching, God opened my eyes and said, this is what's coming. The country was shaken. People were screaming. New York was crushed. The West Coast went vertical. People were pouring out of it. Our economy being torn. People literally screaming, who'll save us for what's come upon us? I was trying to process what that meant, where he says, and now I'm introducing our, our elder, Pastor Jim LaFoon, come up and speak. I said, Jesus, have mercy on me. I was sitting stalled for time, and the Spirit of the Lord came on me, and I said, this is what's going to happen in the country. And in fact, 17 months from when I'm speaking, terrible polarization will come in our nation. Ethnic tension will rise up. Doomsayers will say it's the end of America. All civility will die in the streets. There'll be anger and angst, and many will feel it's the end of America as we know it. Others will say anarchy is breaking out in our streets, but this is what I would say. America will not end in anarchy. America will end in revival. I'll pour out my spirit. 17 months from that weekend, Mr. Floyd was killed. The rest is history. God's not surprised. He knows what's coming. How bad did you think it was going to have to get for Americans to get desperate? Like, what did you think in your mind when you were praying for God to touch America it would be? I was so concerned, I took, I took a 10-day prayer break and went off into the mountains, crying out, praying. May 18th of 2019, he said, your country's going to fill with danger, Jim. Your country's going to be like a tinderbox. It's going to get filled with, draw close to me. I woke up the next morning, he said, I'll tell you why. And I saw a river of mindless, merciless, killing death come out of China and go into every nation in the world. Killing. I know now it was COVID. The rest is history. United 714 came, hundreds and millions of Christians. I waited with a promise in my heart, a promise in my spirit, because God told me at 17 months we'd be halfway done. 
I thought, well, if halfway done was the end of May, what's gonna happen the end of October? Could it be there a change in COVID? Yes, there was. Begin to go from pandemic to endemic. What might God say to America? What might God say to you this day? Our planet's furrowed, ready for revival, which I believe is coming. December 5th, 2021, I was sitting in Appaloosas last year there with Pastor Eugene and Heidi in the green room. They always call the rooms where I sit before I preach green. They're never green, but that's okay. I would care more about the biscuits and the paint, but that's another story. Anyway, there I was. And as I was praying, I looked up into heaven. I saw the foot of God come down and punch an accelerator, and I saw the church just take off. Not just the church here, but the church in America. I saw it click to 36 months. I might add, from that day, 36 months exactly was the next presidential election. And God said, I'm bringing a fresh spirit to my church. You watch what I do. It's going to accelerate. You're going from headwinds to a tailwind. Don't be afraid. The first drops of revival are beginning to fall even now. Only one question remains, how will you respond? Like, what is your response? I want you to consider for a moment your partnership. Will you partner with God in the coming revival or will you sleep through it? The worst thing in the world is not to go to sleep in the darkness, it's to go to sleep in the light. I mean, a whole city missed Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. If they'd have known he was the son of God, there would have been room in the inn, room in the house. They never realized who it was till three kings bowed before him and gave him treasure and he was gone. You can grow up around the Messiah being born and miss it. Paul said, for we're God's fellow workers in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. You say, God's always working on him. It's only beyond me. It's only because he's desperate to work for, through you. You say, I'm weak. Me too. His strength's made perfect in weakness. Romans 13, 11 to 12 says this. Beside this, you know the time. Okay, you know the time. God's going to revive this nation. Ukraine war scares so many. January 1st, 2012, Jesus told me, Russia's going to rise up to regain her power back in Europe or break the arm of the bear. In October, sitting with our leader of many Ukrainian churches, I got on the phone with his wife. I sent her word. I said, listen, I'm so sorry. You've got a rough 36 to 38 months coming. Russia will invade your nation, make a land grab. God will slap the paw of the bear. Don't be afraid. February, God said, next week they're going to invade, Jim. You're not to be afraid about it, Jim. They'll regret it. It'll be worse for them than Afghanistan. I love the Russian people, but God's got this. Don't be afraid. I know the world's afraid. God's got this. You know the time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your exhaustion spiritually. The hour has come for you to stop living like a victim of forces outside your control, realizing you're the only one in the power to have victory. The hour's come. Wake up. Your salvation's near. The night is far gone. A new day is at hand. Not just the second coming, another one of his many comings, which he calls a time of refreshing. It's at hand. Well, I hadn't expected this way. How did you expect it? 
The fullness of time for Jesus was the mailed foot of Roman domination, high taxes, crucifying, murdering, and killing there in Judah. The fullness of time is full of problems. The earth plowed. This is it. And people like you and I are the answer. For your, your now salvation is now near. So then let us cast off every work of darkness, every bit of unbelief, every habit that's strangling us and put on the armor of light, the armor of righteous living, our power. You say, Jim, I feel powerless, me too. Humanly, that's true. Divinely, no. Because when I was born again like you, Jesus said, my Father and I will make our home in you. The Holy Spirit came to live in me. He reconnected me with the Godhead. Their power, their life is on tap through his living word in the church. I'm filled with his life, filled with his power. In Ephesians it says, awake, O sleeper. If you'll just arise, Christ will shine on you. Shine through you. Look carefully how you walk. Don't be stupid, be wise. Make the best use of the time. The days are evil. Don't waste your moments. This is it. Here we sit. Lord's shown me things for decades now. Jacob and Michelle know that more than most. Only God's infallible. We know in part and probably I tell you this. America's only hope of turnaround is the church and a move of God. We've been here in our history many times before. And here we stand. Don't be foolish. Understand the will of God. What is the will of God? To revive this nation and use you. Don't get drunk on wine for that's a debauchery. If I told you how many godly men and women drunkenness has taken out, you wouldn't believe me. You wouldn't believe what I know I've seen as ministers under stress have turned to alcohol instead of the spirit of God and done stupid things in their drunken state. God knows life's so hard you need to be intoxicated with something, but it's not alcohol. It's not substance abuse. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit. Corporate, individual, addressing one another, coming to church, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, yet individually singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. Well, Jim, what is it to be filled with the Spirit? When you were born again, Jesus came to live in you and the Holy Spirit of God is in you. He empowers you, touches, speaks through you, guides you, comforts you. And the Bible says you can be continually filled with the Spirit. It's a secret to life. You walk, you walk in a great family of ch in the church. You walk with God. My daddy told me, love God, love the church, love your wife to be fine. There's truth in that, isn't there, Pastor Jacob? I know it's hard. I've wanted to quit at times. We're pounded emotionally, pounded spiritually. And, and anybody with sense is a little afraid right now. 
I know there's so much uncertainty. And many of you were like, what kind of world have I brought my kids into? Sitting with Michelle and Jacob last night, thinking how much has changed in our world just in the 30 years I've known them. Jacob and Michelle were talking about the books we read in the 1980s that predicted everything that was happening now. You're the answer. I'm sorry. I'm the answer too. But in reality, my job is just to equip you. Your prayers are powerful. The word of God out of your mouth. And I know family can be painful. Finances can be painful. Our past. I guess God figured if I can use them, my glory will be saved. The devil figured God would just turn all this thing to angels, I'm sure. The devil never figured it would be people that changed the world and destroyed his kingdom. God didn't become an angel to save the world. He became a human. He became like us so he could live in you. Jesus said, you better be glad that I'm going. You think it's good I was here in body? Wait till I come in my spirit so I can live in all of you. I know you're afraid. I know it's not easy. Live in a polarized nation. You say, Pastor Jimmy, you partisan about anything? Oh, yes. Jesus and his holy church. I'm a partisan. I serve my country in a lead military unit. I get that. Military service goes back in my country to the my family to the Revolutionary War. That's true. And there's a time for those kind of wars, but they can't change the world. It's spiritual war that does. We're the only ones that can engage what's tearing this country to pieces. What's ripping the lives of young men and women to pieces? What's destroying them, deceiving them, hurting them? If you say today. I want to be used of God to help change this nation. Put your hand up where I can see it. If your hands are up, stand to your feet. I'm asking Pastor Jacob to come up with me now. I'm going to pray with you. Say, Lord Jesus, you are plowing the world. You are preparing it for revival. Wake me up. Fill me with faith. Fill me with strength. I cry out for revival. I call out for revival. Use me. In my weakness, be made strong. Now with both hands up, say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Take a deep breath. Exhale, take one more. Now I'm going to pray. I stand, Lord, in front of my family. I've stood in this pulpit probably more than any other person that's not on staff here. Every year I've been here. Watched this church grow and thousands reached. And now we come to a divine inflection point. It's not business as usual. 
It's not the status quo. These precious people here at our Savior and other Christians like them around the world, we are the answer. We pray for our leaders, but we can't expect politicians to have spiritual answers for what's happening. We appreciate godly laws and all of it, but all they can do is restrain evil. They can't transform a heart. Bring us revival, we pray. Bring us revival, we pray.